Turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew this morning as we look at God's Word together. You know, we've been talking about the last several weeks, we've been talking about this general subject of God's calling on our lives. We started out several weeks ago. We, were, we talked about a prayer of examination, right? Search my heart, O Lord. And then the week after that, we talked about a prayer of availability. And it was, uh, God, uh, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Uh, and then we talked about a general calling on God's life and then on, on God's people. And then last week, we talked about how our God was the multiplier, not just the adder and subtractor. And this week, I want to talk to you through a passage of Scripture that I know that is very familiar to many of you. You know, the story goes... Uh, that Jesus, after the resurrection, uh, he, uh, he rose again. When he ascended uh, into heaven, he called his disciples to him, and he gave them this mission, this thing that we call the Great Commission, right? And now this is the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. kind of think it's probably important, right? And that we pay careful attention to it. And it's one of the um, hallmark cornerstone passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. So let's look at it together. But before we do, take some notes. Write this down. Number one, I want you to understand this. We are to make disciples. God has called us to make disciples. You need to understand that. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, God has called you to be a disciple maker. Now look at verse number 19. Matthew 28 verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. We've all heard it. The question is, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Now, some of you, maybe you've got a question. Look, look at this next slide. Maybe you would say, Brother Marcus, what is a disciple? I'm not really sure. It's a word. I've heard it in Sunday school all my life. What really makes one a disciple? See, a, a disciple is more than just a convert, somebody who gets saved, right? A disciple is more than just a church member. Being a church member doesn't make you a disciple. A disciple is more than being a parent that drops their kids off for Wednesday night church. That's not being a disciple either. A disciple is more than wearing that Grace Family, Grace Baptist church, church shirt that I love so much and I love to see. Well, I'd like for it to, but that doesn't make you a disciple either. A disciple is more than what you're doing this morning, just attending a worship service. Being a disciple is more than that. Write this down. What a disciple is, is a follower, or let's just say a learner. A learner. Someone who's following and learning. The early believers, the early church, before they were called Christians, by the way, Christians, that was supposed to have been an insult, like little Christ. You think you're little Christ. That's what it, Christiana, uh, you're just little Jesuses. You just think you're a little Jesus, don't you? It was supposed to have been an insult, but it stuck, and it's not an insult to be a little Christ. And so, uh, but before that, they called themselves, uh, they were called disciples. And it was a common term in, in the Jewish background. A disciple is somebody who follows a rabbi. They're teaching, their instructions. They put, adhere to their teacher's teaching. Uh, just like in the Old Testament. When you see Elisha, you remember Elisha? He followed Elijah, and his prayer was, God, give me a double portion of what Elijah has. Uh, even in the Bible, you don't think of it like this very often, but you know the story of Ruth and Naomi? Where Ruth is like, Naomi, wherever you go, I go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God, right? So uh, Ruth was putting herself 
under Naomi. And we know the story of Jesus and his disciples, but also um, uh, Paul and Timothy in your New Testament, right? It's just, I want to be under your teaching. I want to be influenced by you uh, to help me to become more like Jesus. Now, the reality, though, is in most American churches in 2019, this discipling thing really isn't happening. The model in the church of 2019 is people come to church, they watch the church thing, they check it out, and then they go home and go on about their lives. And a matter of fact, many times people are, are barely attenders and they, maybe they'll go home and they'll say, you know, the church really should be discipling me. The church should be discipling me, right? Well, I want to remind you of something. Look at this next slide. You are the church and you should be discipling other people. God has called you to do it. It's not something that can only happen within the church walls. Many times people are like, you know, we need more discipleship. Well, you don't come when we do, just to be honest. Does that make sense? If we did, it would have to somehow be that perfect magic hour when you had absolutely nothing else going on. And then maybe if you couldn't come up with an excuse, or maybe if we did it at your house, you would show up. Amen. It's very difficult. We're so busy. We talked about this last week, but busyness does not equate to holiness. And many of us are simply too busy to do what God actually wants us to do because we're filling it with other things. You should be discipling, but many of us aren't. And, the re and I put a couple of things in your notes this morning, but the, one of the reasons why I, these misconceptions about what it means to be a disciple and to make disciples, one of the reasons why people don't do it, write this down. We simply think, I don't have it. What's it? Whatever that is. Whatever it takes to disciple people or whatever, I don't have it. I'm not good enough and I don't measure up. I don't have what it takes. Also, some of you have been in here. You've been saved for 50 years. If you ain't got it by now, it ain't coming, honey. You need to just go ahead and resign yourself to the fact that God has given you everything that you need for life and for holiness, and it's time for you to spread that love around. I don't have it. It's like, I'm not ready to teach a Bible study, and I can't pray for nobody, and I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to come to a Bible study where I teach on the book of Revelation because there's like flying beasts and horns and tattoos, six, 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 all kinds of freaky stuff, man. You wouldn't want me to teach that Bible study. Well, you're right. We don't. If you don't mind. We do not want you to teach that Bible study, but that's not what we're talking about. Now, while in discipleship, we understand that scripture and the word of God should be central, but that's not all that we're talking about this morning. It doesn't have to be limited to Bible study. It can be as you do life, you're applying biblical principles to your life and you're being intentional about who you let in your life and also who you put yourself under. That's discipleship, being a disciple and making disciples. It could be simply working with a married couple that's having some problems. Because, sister, you've been there and done that, so you've got a word for them. You can help them. Maybe somebody's struggling financially, and you've got some wisdom there. It just doesn't have to be this super rigid, super difficult thing. That Discipleship isn't just something that happens from 5 to 6 on Sunday nights. All right, but many of us, we just, ah, I don't have it. We feel unprepared. We feel like we don't have what it takes. We're unqualified to make disciples. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, but just let me ask you for a moment if one of these things are true. Just answer there in your mind. Those of you that are married, and maybe you're married, and you know you don't have the perfect marriage, right? but you're, you're striving to have a godly Christian marriage, and you're better now than you used to be. right? Maybe that's your story. God can use that. 
Maybe, uh, maybe in your life, your workplace, your school, wherever you spend your time, people just kind of know you're one of these Jesus people and it's important to you. God can use that. I mean, you've got a basic understanding of what it means to pray. I mean, God can use that. Maybe you've got a decent understanding of the Bible. You understand, like when I said turn to the book of Matthew, you didn't even look at the table of contents, right? Just a basic understanding. Maybe you're a parent and you know that your kids aren't perfect and you've made some mistakes raising your children and you can help somebody else not make the same mistakes that you did. God can use that. I mean, is that true for any? Some of you, you've been hurt. Somebody has hurt you. And somehow through a time spent with God, God supernaturally has helped you to forgive something which could seem unforgivable on the surface. There's somebody that God can use you to help them to get to where you are. God can use that. I mean, you're a believer in Christ, but you know unbelievers. God can use that. Look at this next. Look at this slide. You are called, equipped, and empowered. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you belong to Jesus, you are called, equipped, and empowered by God to make disciples. You got to feel it, believe it, or just live it and love it. You might as well. He's called you to it, and he's given you everything that you need to accomplish it. As you go, man, uh, uh, make disciples. You've got the experience. You've got the gifts. You've got the uh, word of God. You're called to make disciples. You think, I don't have it. He's already given it to you. You just haven't used it. I, we think, I don't have it. Write this down. The next thing that we think is, I don't need it. I don't need it. What's the big deal? I don't need it. Right? We don't see the benefit. Well, get with that day. What's the benefit? Some are too proud. I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I'm fine on my own. Right? We're just too proud. And if you, and, or maybe you just think you're just too good. You think that you've arrived, man. And that's one of the worst things in the Christian life is to somehow think that you have arrived, that you are there. You have reached your destination and you no longer need a coach. It's just not true. I mean, think about football, right? By the way, Tennessee. Okay. And so think, think, about, think, think about football for a second. When the kids are doing the flag football, the peewee league football, they got one, maybe two coach. Maybe a third guy they let hang around just so he feels like somebody. But that team has usually only got one or two coaches, peewee. Then they get a little bit older, and there's another coach. They get on high school, there's more coaches. And by the time they get to the college and the NFL, they got more coaches than you can count. They got the head coach, the offensive coach, the defensive coach, this coordinator, that coordinator, right? The running backs coach, the linebackers coach, the tight ends coach. They got the get back coach. You know that one, all he does is tell everybody to get back <laughs> on the sidelines and grabs the coach by the belt whenever he gets so he doesn't get a flag by the referees all these coaches I mean why does that happen because as the players are getting better right as the game is getting more serious they've got specialized people speaking into the lives of these players in these positions the better that you think that you are the more advanced you are in your walk with the Lord in life you're, you even have a greater need for coaches, not a less. You need more people, better people pouring into your life. I mean, and, and, and think about this for a moment. You need some Pauls. Like Timothy had Paul. You need some Pauls speaking into your life because the great model for discipleship is Paul and Timothy. Paul was a spiritual father to, for, to Timothy, and Timothy was a spiritual son to Paul. All of you need a Paul. Look at this next slide. You need someone who is better, man, who can spiritually and practically disciple you to become more like Jesus. You need some pause in your life. Look at this next one. But also, 
You need a Timothy. You need somebody to pour yourself into. How long will it be until this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing becomes about more than just you? How long? I harp on this a lot, but, you know, we got people that are saved 30, 40, 50 years. And they've never graduated to the point where everything wasn't about them, right? It never really becomes about others. And you can tell by the way they live their life. See, the best place that, where this really starts here at church, when you think about discipleship, it happens in our small groups and Sunday school classes, right? That's a wonderful place to start. And we're going to have some new opportunities coming up in 2020. But again, you don't have to, listen guys, you don't have to wait on some church program to do what God has called you to do. You don't have to wait for us to introduce some missions opportunity for you to go on missions or to be about missions. You don't have to wait for us to have a Christmas shoebox thing, Operation Christmas Out Shoeboxes, for you to be generous at Christmas and take care of the less needy. And you do not need Grace Baptist Church to uh, just uh, reveal a huge discipleship program for you to begin the process of obeying God and discipling others and allowing yourself to be discipled. God has called you to do it. Obey Jesus, make disciples. And it's not like super complicated. And we, I know it's, it seems kind of weird, but listen, I, I got my man here. Uh, Wilson, you come wherever you are. I lost you, buddy. I, Wilson Simpson's coming this morning. Give him a hand real quick, guys. There you go, bud. Now, Wilson, his wife, Morgan, they did something that was really, I thought it was really uh, interesting. And I wanted to share with you guys briefly. And also, I'm tired. I had to baptize four people. So I just want to sit down for a minute. Oh, amen. Do I look like a little kid in this high chair? Amen. He's a big old boy. I wanted to level the playing field. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Wilson and his wife, what they did was they started a little, just a small group kind of Bible study uh, right there uh, in their home. And I just wanted to ask them a couple questions. And maybe this will give you some inspiration as well. So what led you guys to start y'all's group that's meeting at your house? Yeah, well... Um we like to have people over. We like to serve people. Um, we want our house to be a house where people like to come, always have fun. And one day I was thinking, uh, we have people over all the time. Everybody has a good time, but we don't do anything there to serve God. You know, something specific for uh, to give the glory to Him. I mean, yeah, and so um, did you invite people to come? And Yeah, um, I talked to Morgan about it, and we got on the same page. Uh, that was the... That's important, important. <laughs> so I sent a message out to 20 or 25 people that normally come over. You know, they have kids and uh, usually come over and watch the football game. Yeah. Um, and we got three responded back. They said they'd want Okay, so don't miss that. He, he invited 20 or 25 people and he got three, right? So cast a big net. Go ahead. And so, and so you had three. So what did y'all do? What, did, like, what was the first night like, the very first night? Yeah, the first night um, everybody came. Uh, everybody brought a dish, so, you know. Food. Food. Always you know, helps. Fellowship and, uh, I didn't get invited. I'm pretty upset about it. It's cool. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, uh, we just started in a book of Proverbs. And yeah, by the way, uh, the book of Proverbs is always, if, if you're not reading Scripture with your family, the book of Proverbs is the best place to start. There's a chapter for every day of the month. You can sit down at your dinner table and just go Proverbs chapter number one and read it as a family let everybody take turns and then talk about what that proverb says the proverbs is the book of wisdom and so it's always a wonderful place to start in any kind of in anything proverbs is a wonderful book 
So did you have any, like, so you had your friends coming, and y'all have a meal, and y'all just have a little Bible study. Yeah, Why'd y'all, and y'all start doing something else? Yeah, uh, we got, we started the book uh, Overcomer by David Jeremiah. Yeah. And uh, we just started doing a chapter a week. So we'd read it that week, and then we'd come talk about it and pray about it, and everybody bring their kids. Uh, my father-in-law helps uh, kind of guide it. Yeah, because are you a... Are you a theologian? No, not Do you at have all. a Bible degree? Not at all. Do you have the Bible memorized? <laughs> no, sir. How dare you, okay? <laughs> See, and what, he, and what he said is really important is his father-in-law has been involved in the ministry over at the jail and, and, and has been in the pastorate and things like that. So while he's discipling his friends, he had his father-in-law discipling him and helping with the process. Does that make sense? It's always good to go to somebody else beyond yourself because none of us know enough, do we? You're not smart enough or know enough scripture. So when are y'all doing the book of Revelation? Uh, we haven't got that. Yeah, 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 I've got that for you. Um, and so um, what is, uh, has this been a blessing for you? What is the, the, the impact on your life? Yeah, personally, uh, I find myself reading my Bible daily, you know, when before that wasn't the case, and especially my prayer life. You know, I've always prayed at night with yeah. the kids and all, but I catch myself now praying throughout the day um, and just constantly. So it's really helped. Yeah, those, those, uh, those three families that were coming, yes. were they all church members? No. Um, one family was, uh, you know, came regularly, but we had two that didn't come regularly to church. Uh, and one, uh, she wasn't a believer at all uh, when we first started, and now she... She's a believer, and she helps. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. She got saved. Yeah, yeah, I better clap it up, church. She got saved. That's good news. More input than yeah, she's probably more excited than you are now, right? She's more involved than I do. That is awesome. And so um, it yeah, helped you with your own Bible study, your yes. own prayer life. You had a friend actually get saved through the process. Would you recommend something like this for Everybody? Oh, yeah. If I can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> That's right. Is your father-in-law available to go? To, no, I'm just kidding. And so, and one of the things, uh, I don't I want you to, don't miss this. He started with his friends that they'd hang out with all the time anyway. And basically what they did was they invited them to do kind of what we always do, but we're going to do it with a little bit of intention, right? We're going to get right. into the Bible. We're going to study scripture and we're going to be organized about it, right? And then you see how God has blessed that. And if he can, and, and Morgan told me, if he can do it, anybody can. That's Amen. True. That's true. Give, give him a hand as we go. Well, hang on. How can we, how can we, uh, how can we pray for your group? Uh, just that we keep on trucking and, and yeah. getting deeper involved. And Absolutely. Keep it up. Amen. Uh, can we pray for his uh, small group meeting in his house right now? Let's pray, guys. Father God, thank you so much again for... Uh, Wilson and Morgan, their, their desire to serve you right there in their homes. God, you've given them the gift of hospitality, and that is so awesome that they're using it to point people to you. We're so grateful for the, uh, those who've come to know Christ uh, through this ministry in their home. Lord, I just pray that you would pour your blessings out upon them, and Lord, just encourage them during this time. We're so grateful. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, and everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right, give them a hand again. Just clap it up. We're the... If you're new to grace, we're just a clap in this church around. Amen? But listen, how is, it's really not that complicated, is it? It's no more complicated than that. Now, am I recommending that you, maybe you have very limited knowledge of Scripture, that you just go home, invite your friends, open the Bible, and just tell everybody what you think about it? That is not what I'm telling you to do. If I had done that 20 years ago, right? 
So what, what we want to do is make sure that we're being discipled, we're discipling others, and that we have the wisdom to use good resources that will help us to grow and learn as believers as we help others. So uh, anyway, so I just want to encourage you in that. You don't have to wait for some kind of church program before you get started obeying God. God has called us to disciple each other. And it starts with introducing people to Christ and then encouraging them to be more like Christ. So practically speaking, how do we say, how do I make disciples? That verse, it really refers to as you go, as you live, make disciples. How do I do that? Well, number one, write this down. You do it by how you live, just how you live your life, how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself. Look at Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He's saying, man, do that. Listen, if you want a great marriage, you need to take the advice of somebody who has a great marriage. Don't listen to that Yahoo in the break room, again, who's been married 18 times and thinks that he knows everything. He doesn't. If you want to kill it on the job, watch people that kill it on the job and stop hanging out with the lazy people. Right? If you want to be a good student, develop the habits that good students develop right? If, if you can be an example for others as you're obedient to Christ, as you grow closer to Christ, you can be an example because they're watching you. They are. Paul said this in first Corinthians 11 verse one. He said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now, Paul here isn't saying that he's perfect. He's saying, look, as I'm following after him, as I'm following after Jesus, you follow me and we're going to both end up in the same place. You can be an example for others. If you don't know how to disciple anybody, just start by being a good example. Go for that and they'll watch you. And parents, you need to know this. Listen, you cannot raise godly children with ungodly habits. And more than likely, it just won't happen. And if you look at most parents and the way that we're living life, and if we're being honest about what we're saying is important, we're saying the most important thing in my child's life, that he's the best baseball player in America by the time he's six years old. If we look at the way we actually live, we're saying it's most important that my daughter is the best ballerina in America by the time she's eight years old. If we're, by the way we're really living our lives, what's most important is that my son gets into accelerated algebra. I mean, if we look at the way we live our lives and the busyness that we're filling it with, we're filling it with things that we say don't really matter while ignoring the, all the things that we claim actually matters. This isn't in your notes. It's not on the slide. But I'll, parents, if you're a parent, I want you to write this down. Parents, God has called you to make disciples of your children. God has given you the responsibility to make Matter of fact, everybody just look down and pretend like you're writing. Write that down. God has called you to make disciples of your children. Not me, not the church. We're going to help you come alongside. We're going to do what we can, but God has called you you to make disciples of your children. God may not have called you to make a shortstop out of your son, a ballerina out of your daughter, or uh, I, I don't know, a NASA scientist, okay? Maybe, maybe not. But what I do know is God has called you to make your son or daughter a disciple of Jesus. It's not our job, it's your job, and we're going to help. And we say this all the time, and it's true. Generally speaking, I want you to hear me. Generally speaking, generally, when it comes to children, uh, and you've heard this enough, 
We don't get what we want. We get what we are. Often. Most of the time. Chances are, if, you're gonna, if you live a godly life, they'll imitate you. Chances are, if you live an ungodly life, they'll imitate you. And what they'll do is they'll begin to live in, according to the world. And the, we know from Scripture the world is sinful and broken. And that'll be the example that your children are following. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, if our kids look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, we have missed the mark. It means we are not discipling our own children. How dare you disciple anyone else and you're not discipling your children? So we make disciples by how we live. Next, write this down. And also by how you talk, by how we talk. One is by your example, the other is with your words. Look what God told Moses to do in Deuteronomy 3.28. He said, but command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Discipleship. That's discipleship. To encourage and to strengthen. With your words, tell them who they can become. Speak life, man. Some of us think we've got the spiritual gift of, of negativity. I don't know what it is. Encourage them. Look at this next slide. With your words, you can encourage and strengthen people around you, or you can rip them apart and tear them down. And, and personally, I put this in my notes. I think, who, I was like, who encourages me? There's certain pastors, like I think about Ronnie Coleman over at SoulQuest. Many of them have been friends for many years. He's always been such a huge encouragement to me, and I hope that I've encouraged him as well. But the truth is, you can't even go to pastors and encourage one another all the time. Let's just imagine we had a wonderful Sunday at Grace, and 100 people got saved, and 150 got baptized, and just the glory of God rained down, and we were so excited. There's certain preachers like couldn't tell about because they couldn't handle it. Why? Because you understand, even in your life and in your, what you do all the time, everybody that does what you do aren't going to be happy for you. And sometimes it's, do you see that? It's difficult. Sometimes on their worst day, they don't want to hear about your best day. But I thank God for men like Ronnie and some other pastor friends that I have that in good or bad that I can always just, just, say what's on my heart and what's on my mind. You need somebody like that too. And you need to be that person for others. You need to be that person that even in the middle of the worst day that you ever had, when you didn't get the promotion and your girlfriend did, your heart, your lips, your face, all are united in joy for your friend. Instead of sorrow over yourself. We need to get to the point where we're letting people wiser than us speak into our lives. And you can do that. And you can do it for somebody else. But you have to see them as God sees them. And ask yourself, if you're not interested in, in making an impact in people's lives and, and discipleship, you have to ask yourself the question, am I really a disciple? Because Jesus said, the one who I claim that I'm following, I'm a disciple of Jesus, my, my rabbi, my savior, my Lord, my master, he told me to go and make disciples, but I'm not doing it. Am I really a disciple? Am I really? He says, go and make disciples. The reason why we baptize, the reason why we do it by immersion, Jesus said, go and baptize them, right? And so we say, yes, sir. We baptize people that believe in Jesus. Not only do we say, yes, sir, but we do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do you do that? Because he said so. 
And why do we want to make disciples? Because he said so. We want to do what Christ has called us to do. Now, some of you this morning, you might be thinking, you know, my relationship, I'm sorry, what am I doing? My relationship with Jesus is personal. It's personal. Listen, your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's never meant to be private. Matter of fact, as soon as you trust Christ, the first thing he asks you to do is follow through and be public through baptism. Your relationship with Christ is personal, but it's never, ever private. It was never meant to be. So the question is this. God has called us to be discipled and to disciple others. The only question is, it's not whether or not he's called us to do it. The only question is, will we? Will we? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for uh, the example that you set for us right here in the New Testament. God, we're so grateful for salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection. God, I'm so grateful that you have called us to follow you. We don't deserve you, Lord, and you've given us everything. Lord, give us the strength to pour into the lives of others. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed. Uh, Remain in a posture of prayer. Be respectful of the people around you for just a moment. For those of you here here this morning, you know that you're saved. You know that you've been forgiven. You know, the Holy Spirit confirms with your, your spirit that you are a child of God. But yet in this message this morning, maybe you recognize that you need a Paul. You need a Paul in your life. Somebody wiser, maybe somebody stronger, man. Somebody... They can speak into your life. You give them permission to speak into your life. You need some leadership, man. You need some discipling. You need someone to help you learn more about Scripture, help you to be a better parent, a better mom, dad, husband, wife, a better child, a better student. You need a Paul in your life. Or maybe you recognize you need a Timothy. Maybe you've been a little self-absorbed. Maybe it really has been all about you a little bit. And you would never say it out loud, but in your heart, you kind of know that it's true. You're not really investing outside of yourself, and especially not if it's inconvenient. And your prayer this morning is, I mean, you know that you're saved. And your prayer is, God, help me to find a Paul in my life. Lord, help me to recognize the Timothys that you've placed in my life. Could it be that it's your prayer this morning? God, send me a Paul. Send me someone who will help me to be more like Christ. Lord, show me the Timothys in my life. Is that your prayer this morning? Raise your hand all over, all over, all over, all over. Let's pray together. Father God, I just pray for courage. God, for humility. God, that we would just humble ourselves and acknowledge, Lord, we need some Pauls. Men and women who will help us be wiser and better, more like Christ. God, that can impart wisdom in our life. Lord, give us the courage and the humility just to admit that we don't know everything and we don't have all the answers. Lord, that we want to follow your example and become more like Christ. Lord, give us some Timothys. And God, we don't think that we've got it all together. But God, give us the confidence that you've given us everything that we need to make the difference in others' lives. Lord, show us that you've given us everything that we need. Give us the eyes to see people around us that don't even know you and the courage to share the good news. Give us a heart and desire for others' good outside of ourselves. Lord, bring us some Pauls and give us some Timothys. 
Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a moment, just a moment. They're there. Those of you here this morning, you don't know the Lord. And it kind of scares me every time I preach because I'm worried that there's somebody here and they kind of think they're a Christian and maybe they said a prayer at some point, but there's been no fruit, no change in their life. And, and they're kind of Christian in name only. Their actions kind of bear out something else. Because the truth is, and you know it, that calling yourself a Christian doesn't really make you one. Look up for just a second. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let me ask you, do you desire to come after Christ this morning? He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Ugh. Deny. I don't see a lot of self-deniers these days. It says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does that mean? It means to follow after Jesus. That means he's your savior, like for real. He's your master. He's your teacher. He's your Lord. He's your everything. You really are surrendered to him, not just in words, but in your life, in your heart, in your actions. We see many people that want to be in the world and have Jesus, right? What they want is just enough of Jesus, right, to keep them out of trouble. And we like to tiptoe right? Where's the gray area? I want to be a Christian and I want to be a good one, but just how close can I get to bad? So I can still, right? I can still be in the world and still with Jesus, but you know, I don't want to be bad, bad. But I just want to be in the middle, kind of one foot in the world, one foot in Christ. And the truth is you, you're not, you're either of the world or you're of Christ. It's really one or the other. Look at this next slide. You're following this world or you're following Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus, if you've never denied yourself and taken up the cross and followed him, you are not his. So what do you do? How do you become his? How do you become a disciple of Jesus? How do you like, man, like really follow him and quit playing around? How do you do that? Man, you surrender, right? You just admit, God, I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. And I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Have you done that? Have you done it for real? Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, here's the amazing thing, guys. The fact is that we're sinners. Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. And he went to the cross and died as our sacrifice so that we could be forgiven of our sins. His death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation. And if you trust Christ to save you, if you put your faith and trust in that death, burial, and resurrection, he will forgive you, save you, redeem you, make you new. But you have to choose. God has called you to this moment to choose. Choose Christ. Choose life. And God has you here right now for this moment. No more playing games, man. And is that you? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And I just want the opportunity to pray with you. I just, I want to be able to do that. And I want to promise you that we will not single you out. We will not drag you forward. We will not embarrass you in any way at all. We don't do that here at Grace. But I do just want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So if you're here right now and you want to pray right now, no more games. I'm following Jesus. 
and you want to pray to receive Christ right now, would you slip your hand up for just a moment? God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Who else? I see you. Anyone else? Listen, right there in your seat, right now in this moment, you and God, why don't you pray a prayer like this? It's not the prayer. It's not a password. It's not a secret formula. It's just you humbling yourself before God. Why don't you pray like this and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Admit it. I'm a sinner. I do things. Lord, I lie to myself and I lie to you and I lie to, uh, I'm a sinner. But Lord, I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. All of me, I surrender to all of you. Save me, Jesus. Lord, help me to follow you. Save me, Jesus. Listen, you just pray a prayer like that. God will save you, redeem you, forgive you. He'll wash you clean. You have been forgiven. He's given you the Holy Spirit. God has given you everything you need for life and for holiness. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Maybe you're here this morning and you've prayed that prayer at some other point and you've not followed through. You know, the first thing God asks us to do as believers is to follow through in believers' baptism. Have you been baptized? You need to get your salvation on the right side of your baptism. And scripture is clear. We get saved and then we get baptized. That's the order we see in the New Testament. Why don't you come this morning? If you need to follow through and be obedient in baptism, we'd love to pray with you, rejoice with you, and schedule that time for you. As you step out in obedience, that's what it means to be a disciple. Or maybe God has called you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. You know this is your church home, and it's time to put on a jersey and be a part of the team right here at Grace, to serve right here at Grace, to disciple right here at Grace, to be discipled right here at Grace. Is this your church home? Why don't you come this morning and make it official? And we'll rejoice with you and pray with you. Maybe God is calling you to something else. Whatever it is, during this invitation this morning, I want to encourage you to do business with God for your good and for His glory. Father God, We surrender this invitation to you. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? You come. Don't wait. You come. Be thou my vision, O Lord.